tithe, and I got four brand new tires on my big old truck. So praise Jesus tonight, amen, because tires are very expensive. And so um, God is good, amen? God is good. And so, excuse me, I'm, I'm trying to get my time here, right? And so if you can turn your Bibles to Luke 8, 8, 26. Luke chapter 8, verse 26. And then I just, I love you, honey. I said I love you in this place where there's no place or time. Said I love you. <laughs> I can't sing like him. He's got it going on. For those who like old school, that was Donny Hathaway. But we're not going to go there tonight, okay? We'll go another way. So Luke 8, chapter 8, verse 26. Lord, bless this word one more time. Let your Holy Spirit speak. We love you and worship you. In Jesus' name. Luke 8, verse 26. Then they sailed to the country of Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house but in tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have you to do? What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirits to come out of the man. For it often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles. And he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons had entered into him. You go down a little bit further. And it says here in verse 35, They went out to, to see what happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind. And when they were, and they were afraid, they also, who, they also who had seen it told them by what means he who had been demon-possessed was healed. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart for them, for they were seized with great fear. And he got into the boat. And here it talks later that he, when, uh, excuse me, now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. And here the story pretty much is self-explanatory. It talks about a demon-possessed man in the city in the area of Gadarenes, and so Gadara. And here this man had many demons. We don't know if he was born like that, if he was introduced to certain things that opened up doors for the enemy to possess him. But the Bible says that he was demon-possessed for a long time. It also says that he wore no clothes, naked perhaps. also said that he didn't live in a house, but he lived amongst the tombs in death. Something of, of, of darkness. It also says that he was bound with chains and with shackles. And that he would often go into the wilderness, the wasteland, loneliness. And so this, the Bible pretty much describes, gives you a clear description of what was going on with this demon-possessed man. Um, but I want to get a little deeper here. And now when I read about this man, I think, man, God... You know, what happened to him 
to where he could, he could be so bound up like this? What happened to him that he would be lost in the tombs, naked? And when I walk down the cities or the street of Hayward, I see people talking to themselves. I've, I've gone to the highways, literally the highways and the byways, and I've seen people mentally lost. Their mind has gone into somewhere that is dark and lonely. And when I see those type of people, I see them as the demon-possessed man. I see schizophrenic people. I see people that are not all there, mentally not all there. And I think of this demon-possessed person. And when I see them, I, I think of, okay, what happened to them? What happened in their life that um, possibly could have opened the doors or did open the doors to this demon possession? And, um, but I want to talk a little bit historical here about the actual city that he's from. And so put your finger on Luke 8 and then turn your Bibles to... Joshua, or we'll go to Numbers, 32. And we'll go to, I'm going to read a little bit here. You guys there? Numbers? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And verse 32, it says, Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of livestock. And when they saw the land of Jazar and the land of Gilead, that, that, indeed, Gilead, that indeed the region was a place for livestock, the children of Gad and the ch children of Reuben came and spoke to Moses. And so it says here a little bit further down in 6, And Moses said to the children of Gad and the children of Reuben, so you brethren go to war while you sit here. Now why, now, now why will you discourage the heart of the children of Israel from, from going over into the land which the Lord has given them? Thus your fathers did what I sent them from Kadesh, Barnea, to see the land. Um, we'll go a little further here. Sorry, I have all these bookmarks. It says here... Um, we will not return to our homes until every one of the children of Israel and Israel has received his inheritance. For we will not inherit with them on the other side of the Jordan and beyond, because our inheritance has fallen to us on this eastern side of the Jordan. I'm going to read that one more time. For we will not inherit with them on the other side of the Jordan and beyond, because our inheritance has fallen to us on, these, on this eastern side of the Jordan. And so here... This scripture right here, I, I want to read the whole chapter, but it's really long. So I'm just going to scrunch it up, make it shorter. Um, here, this was a time where the 12 tribes had been delivered by Egypt from Moses. And they had been wandering the desert for 40 years, and a new generation had risen up, and Joshua and Caleb and Moses were left to lead the people. But right before the people be, were about to enter into the land, there was two and a half tribes that decided to stay back and decided to say, you know what, Moses, we kind of like it on this side, on the east side of the Jordan River, and you know what, we're going to stay over here. We will help you, fight with you to go into your promised land and inherit it, but we're going to keep 
we're going to keep put over here on the east side. Now, what God had promised the people of Israel was that he would give them the land of Canaan, that he would, you know, multiply their children and give them a land flowing with milk and honey, give them a land that was abundant and rich and wealthy. And so here, after 40 years, you're hearing about the promises of God and you're hearing about what God wants to give you. So I'm pretty sure there was a people that were kind of tired of hearing about the promises but not inheriting it yet. And so when that 40-year mark took place, it was time. It was time to cross over the Jordan River and, in, and possess and inherit that promise. But what happened in that time, these two and a half tribes, it should be really three, but what happened was there was a division in one tribe. And so what happened was as nine and a half tribes went in, two and a half tribes stayed on the east side. And the rest went to the west side of the Jordan. And so on the west side of the Jordan were the promises of God. But on the east side, there was two, three, excuse me, two and a half tribes that said, you know what? We like it on the side of the Jordan River. We like, you know, we're so glad that we've been delivered and we've been set free. And, you know, God has seen us through these 40 years. But, you know, we're, we're, we don't, we're not going to go inherit the promise with you. We're going to just stay right here. You know what? We're good. I, I know you're at the gate. And I know you're about to, you know, enter into a new season with your heart. But you know what? I'm good right here. I'm happy just the way I am. You know what? I'm glad that I'm delivered. But I just don't want to be disciplined. I'm good. Right? And so that's what happened here in, this, in these 12 tribes that they became divided. And in these two and a half tribes, that one tribe, the tribe of Manisa, was divided. And they were, some of them were like, no, I'm going into the promise. I've been walking for 40 years and I'm ready to rest in my promised land. But then there was another part of that tribe, the half of the other tribe, that said, no, nah, we're not going to go. We're good. Why are you going to go with them? Why are you going to go inherit the promise? Why are you going to go press in? Why are you going to believe God for the promises? Why are you going to believe God for the testimony? Why are you going to believe God for the deliverance? Why are you going to believe God for the salvation of your spouse? Come on, you're fine over here. Right? And so that's what happened. A tribe became divided. And so two and a half tribes started hanging out with each other. The tribe of Gad the tribe of Reuben, and Manasseh. And when you find out what the tribe of Reuben, what his name meant, Reuben was very significant with the 12, tri with the 12 tribes. He was the first son of the tribe. And the, the scripture says that he was the firstborn of the 12 tribes, and that when he was born, he was the, the uh, strength of his father, that he was the might of, of his father, that he was excelling in honor, excelling in power. But then what happened was, his name changed a little bit, because he did something really bad. And then his father said, you are the strength and the might of who I am. You are excelling in honor, excelling in power. However, you are turbulent like water, and you will excel no longer. And what happened was, Reuben decided to lean on his own understanding and listen to the voice of the enemy and dishonor his father by sleeping with his uh, concubine, his maidservant. And so doing that behind his father's back, his father's no dummy. How many of us know Papa ain't dumb? Daddy's not stupid. He may act like he doesn't know certain things, but he knows a lot of things that you don't know. Pastor ain't dumb. Pastor ain't dumb, y'all. 
He knows what's going on. Mama ain't dumb. Pastor, ain't, Pastor Greg ain't dumb. He knows what's going on in the home, y'all. You better be careful because the Spirit of God lives in him. And the Spirit of God lived within the Father here. And so what happened was he blessed and he was also cursed. And he said that you will excel no longer, Reuben, and you will be like the turbulent as the waters. Kind of reminds me of James 1.18 when it says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Then you had another tribe, Manessa, that were called or, or proclaimed as a great people and a great power. And so here you have these tribes. They have a reputation. They have a, you know, a blessing and also the curses on them. If they're obedient, they're going to be blessed. If they're disobedient, they're going to be cursed. And so here these two and a half tribes, you know, at one time, man, excelling in power. Man, they had the anointing. Man, they're like, they, they were excelling in, 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 in everything that they were doing. But somehow along the way, I believe that somebody started whispering in their ear. Started bringing discouragement. Started bringing doubt. And then from excelling in power and excelling in strength, he was lacking, no, you know, no more in his power. No more growing and excelling. He was like a half-stepper. Ever been around a half-stepper? Half-committed? Right? I call those kind of people like, you're schizo. Because you don't know who's talking to you, what's going on, you're paranoid. You think people are after you, you love people. You, you know, those are, those are schizos in the spirit. No disrespect to anybody that would have mental problems here. But here, you had a, you had a tribe that was a representation of their father's might and strength. But because of his sin, he no longer would excel. Here they were. Quoted to be a great people and a great power, Manasseh. But he decided to settle. And when you begin to settle, ever been around somebody who's like a half-stepper or like they have the anointing, but they just don't tap into it? You ever seen somebody who's like so powerful and the anointing is so heavy upon their life, but they don't tap into that power and exercise it? I know people like that. Man, I see the anointing upon people and they're just so gifted and so like, man, the, you, they can heal the dead and, or heal the sick and raise the dead. And I'm like, man, I wish I had that anointing. But they're just sitting on it like, oh, well, it's good. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got the anointing. Thanks. Thanks, God. And there's, you know, people dying in the streets and, you know, dying over drug overdose and prostituting, selling their body. And you got the gospel inside of you and you're like, too bad for them. Too bad. Man, they really need Jesus. Oh, well, I got to go to work. Oh, well, I'm tired. You know what? I worked a, a 24-hour shift. I'm ready to go to bed. I know I got the anointing, Lord. I know, I know. Thank you, Jesus. And then you just, you know, ever had a gift and you never opened it? Yes or no? Because I've never had a gift that I didn't open. When I got a gift, I was excited. I was like, what's in here? Right? And so here are these people, great people, great power, great anointing, great inheritance, great promises, great people, chosen, 
ready to inherit the promise, ready to inherit an abundance, overflowing with milk and honey, overflowing with richness, overflowing with things that only God could give them. And somebody said, ah, I'm good. Ah, I know there's marriage life group, but it's all right. We'll be all right. I know we argue all the time, but eh, I don't need somebody speaking wisdom into me. I'll figure it out another 10 more years. Uh, women's convention? Um, that's not for me. I'm good. Women's discipleship? It's $10. I don't got it. Uh, I'm good. I'm, I'm happy just to be here. Uh, say, uh, uh, we're all right. I don't want to be like Manisa. I don't want to be like Reuben. And I definitely don't want to be like Gad. I know that here in Vio Heart of the Bay, there is a promise. There are promises for this church. There are promises that you and I have yet to possess. There are promises that God has put inside of your spirit for such a time that we have to wait for it, but God will not fail, right? Because he's not a liar. When he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. 19 years ago, the Lord spoke to me and told me, I'm going to save your mom and your grandmother. Oh, okay. I know the Holy Spirit told me that. And I trusted God. Three years later, my mom gives her life to the Lord. She's gone to be with the Lord. Praise God. Now, guess what? I have a 102-year-old grandmother waiting for her salvation. And I don't know how God's going to do it, but he's going to do it. And I believe the reason why he hasn't taken her home yet is because she's, she, hasn't, she has to have her encounter first. And so 102 years old, she's always telling me, I'm tired, I'm tired. Don't worry, Grandma, God is good. You're going to go 103 because you've got to say the prayer first. You've got to confess with your heart or open with your heart. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. You will be saved. And so I'm waiting. And she just might be 103 years old. But God is faithful. And so here, God wanted to be faithful to the people of God, and he was. He was faithful to the people of God. There was nine and a half tribes that went in and inherited that land. There was nine and a half, or 12 tribes actually, that inherited that whole land, but there was two and a half that stayed on the east. And so how many of us know that being on the east, it's not all that? The reason why they stayed on the east, because they thought, oh, well, I can raise my livestock here. The land is good. I can raise my family here. And you know what? Even in that season, God blessed them. God used Moses to bless them. And so they inherited a certain area of that region. And it was a region where they had overtaken kings, where they had scattered the people of that land, and they took possession of it. But how many of us know that the Israelites, they have a reputation for backsliding? They have a reputation for leaving God. And so eventually, as they inherited this pagan land, this Gentile uh, region, you know, how many of us know that there's an enemy that knows you're saved? And he knows that you're sanctified. He knows that you love God. But there's also an enemy that keeps knocking. There's an enemy that wants to bring in doubt into your faith. There's an enemy that wants to bring distraction. That wants to put our priorities from spiritual to carnal. From heavenly to worldly. And so here in, the, in these two and a half tribes, you know, I believe that they were focused on the wrong things. Because I don't understand how anybody can have the promises of God 
and have the call of God and have the anointing of God, but want to just settle. Eh, I'm good. Eh, I don't want to own a new house. I'm good in this dump. Eh, I'm good. I don't want to get a license. Let them do all the labor, even though you got the potential to be a pastor. Eh, I don't want to be a woman of God. I like being the harlot of the church. Uh, I'm just keeping it real here. I don't think we have them in our church, but I've seen it. Here, what do you think caused the two and a half tribes to be different from the other nine and a half? I believe there was worldly influence that crept in. Because you know when the people of God left Egypt, you know it wasn't just the Israelites, right? There was other people involved in that. There were other descendants of other nations that were a part of that deliverance. And so here, they worshipped their gods too. They were worshipping other things other than God. And so here, you, 40 years? Can you imagine somebody nagging your, in your ear for 40 years about their God? About the bondage that they were in? About where is your God? We've been here for 40 years. That could bring some doubt. But the nine and a half tribes, you know what they did? They made sure that they stayed committed to the call. They made sure that they stayed close to the presence of God. They made sure that they stayed close to their leader Moses and Aaron and Miriam and all the leaders that God had placed before them. They made sure of that. Right? They made sure that they didn't focus on the worldly possessions and the possessions of this world and the things that, you know, were only going to be like, ah, because they knew there was something greater. They knew it because their, their, their ancestors had told them about the great miracles that God had, had performed for them. When you hear about the Red Sea being split open, that's pretty supernatural. I would want to serve that kind of God that, you know, how my ancestors are, right? I would want to serve that kind of God. I don't know about you. You might be the kind of, uh, but I'm the wow. I want that type of God. How many of us want that wow type of God in our lives, right? And so here, these people, they didn't allow the world's influence. They didn't allow, you know, worldly possessions, carnal things to come into their lifestyle, into their mindsets, into their promises. They didn't settle for just, uh, but they trusted God for the promise. They trusted God. For what he had said wasn't even a reality. But because God said it, they knew it was true. How many of us know that we have to make sure that we stay out of people that are half-stepping? We stay away from people that are half-stepping and half-serving God and half-committed and always half this and half that. Always come in on a Sunday, maybe on time, but never on a Thursday. Never at a women's establishment. Never at a men's establishment. Never at the street meetings. Never at the prayer meetings. I'll hang out with people like that. Because I used to be all the way into the world, right? But when God saved me, I, I put myself all the way into the things of God. And the half-stepping wasn't happening. How many of us heard of hypocrisy? How many of us heard of hypocrites in the church? Oh, she's a hypocrite. Guess what? Some of us are hypocrites. There's hypocrites in the church. Some of us are for real, though. There are some for real people that are really trying to serve God in this house. And so when we talk about half-steppers... They could be whatever they want. But guess what? I'm not a half-stepper. You want to go, go in and all out? I'm the stepper. You want to follow a stepper who's not half in it? Follow Pastor Stevon. Follow Pastor Greg. Follow the ministers. Follow the leaders. Follow Ismo. He's not a half-stepper. Pastor Daryl. 
his back all the way out. He's not a half-stepper. He's crawling into this church. Those are some men of God that are not half-stepping into the things of God. But they're fully stepping into the promises of God. They're fully marching into the possession that God has given them. They're fully coming into the land that God had given them. And so here, these people were blessed. The nine and a half tribes going to the west side, they were blessed. And not only blessed for that generation, but for their future generations. But what happened on the east side, they were blessed for a time, but then the enemy started creeping in. Then the worldly culture started creeping in. Then the things of, you know, that were not attractive from, of God, you know, those things that were, or not, excuse me, those things that were attractive of God started becoming, you know, watered down. You know, they started putting up altars and, you know, a remembrance of God's power. And, you know, the, the, the intention was right when they did that, but it kind of opened up a door for something else. And so what happened was when they became divided, how many of us know that a house divided will not stand? Right? That when your house is divided, oh, you could feel the tension. When a church is divided, it will not last. And so one of the greatest tools that the enemy does is to bring division. And so when he brought division to these tribes, there was a loss of commitment. There was a loss of conviction. There was a loss of desire to serve God in their fullest. There was a loss to inherit the abundance that God had given them. Because they'd rather settle for, uh, I'm good. But in this time, as the generations kept passing on, when the people of Manisa and Reuben and Gad settled in their east side of the Jordan, these things started creeping in. Ever just settled and you just heard negativity? Ever been around people that just love to talk negative? That just love to slander your leaders? That just love to gossip about sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so and play the victim and it's their fault. And that's why I'm not, a, you know, serving God because it's her fault. And he told me this and it's his fault. Ever been around people like that? Man, I stay away from those people. If I don't, you know, if you don't uh, hear from me, I'm trying to be around positive. But when you start being around negative, it's effect, you know, it's, in, it's poison. It's deceiving. And I've even had to cut some relationships off because, oh, I felt so dirty. I was discouraged. I got defeated. I started feeling depressed. I started questioning my lifestyle. I started thinking, man, am I in the will of God? Man, am I striving in the things of God? Man, Lord, I, I don't have a lot of food in my fridge. And, you know, I could have chose a good lifestyle. I could have been balling out of control right now, God. But then I begin to remember the call. I begin to remember the deliverance that God did in my life. I begin to remember the, the, the encounters I would have with the Holy Spirit and how God would speak to me. And so I would realign myself back in the will of God. But here in Manisa, they inherited this land, the east side of the Jordan. And with their promises, I feel like they settled for, ah. and eventually... In that land, it was inherited by the two and a half tribes. But over time, guess who took over? The Gentiles. The worldly people. The people didn't have no conviction, didn't have no God. And if they had a God, it was demonic. And it was worldly. 
Now go back to Luke. Then they sailed to the country of the, of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. Now, when you look at where the people of the Gadarenes were, do you know that that same territory right there where Gadara is, that was where the people of Manisa inherited? And so I was like, whoa, wait a minute. So here the 12 tribes inherited all this land. Two and a half tribes decided to, you know, split up. This half a tribe inherited this portion of land, and they were divided already. And so after all, this, all these decades and centuries and time and all that good stuff, here time passes on, and what ends up happening to these people that once possessed the promise? They were lost. They were bound. They were in shackles. They were walking around with no clothes, naked, and ashamed. Because of somebody saying, uh. And we could say, well, that's not me. Well, I'm trying to, you know, just trying to do the right thing for God. But here the people of Manisa, they said, ah, oh, we're satisfied here on the east. Oh, we're satisfied with just a little bit of church. Oh, I'm just satisfied reading my word for five minutes. Oh, I'm just satisfied hearing the stories but not living the promises of God. I'm just satisfied, God. I'll be all right. Oh, we're going to, you know, go watch these crazy psycho movies. You know, the whatever that lady is, that, that haunted house in San We're going to watch movies like that. Oh, we're just going to listen to a little bit of worldly music. Oh, we're just going to listen to some old school classic. We're just going to go to that worldly concert. I'm a church goer, you know, but, uh... And so what happened was, throughout this generation, they had a promise. But the enemy crept in. And the enemy began to water down the true gospel of what God had done in their life. And they began to compromise. And they began to settle. And they began to allow the enemy coming in to bring influence, not on just themselves, but on their children. And on their children's children. And remember, this was a pagan land that they inherited. And just because they got rid of the people doesn't mean they're not going to come back. Satan is like a roach. They, you know, you might think he's gone in the day, but at nighttime, oh, he's creeping. He's creeping. And the enemy, he walks in darkness. And he wants to bring darkness. And so here, because of the people settling for, uh, I'll stay on the east side, no problem. Centuries later, this is the result. A demon-possessed man. This was the result of a people that didn't want to enter into the gates of promises. This is what happened. This was the result of a people that saw the promised land. They saw the milk, the, the land flowing with milk and honey. They saw the abundance ahead of them. But somebody, somewhere, whisper to them. And because of that, settling for being outside of the gates, settling for, mm, we're good here, this is the result when we settle for the mm, life. 
how many of us have seen somebody having the power of God but denying it? They have the form of godliness, but they deny the power. Here these people had the form of godliness, but they denied it. And what happened was, centuries later, here comes a man, lost. When he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. He wore no clothes. He didn't have a house, but hung out in the tombs. He was bound with chains and shackled. And he would be driven out by the demon into the wilderness. And not just any demon, he had legions of demons. Thousands of demons. And he lived in a land where, you know, her, um, what is it, livestocking pigs? That was their thing. Raising pigs and selling it to, you know, the other countries around them. That was their livestock. That was their business. That was their money maker. Raising pigs. And in the Bible, it talks about pigs are unclean. There's so much more to it. You can talk to Pastor Paul. I'm sure he'll give you all the education on it. Pastor Greg will give you all the information on it. But it was unclean. And so here, this was their money maker. And so when this man saw Jesus, he said, Lord! Lord, what have you to do with me? Lord, I'm tired of living this way. Lord, I'm tired of being at the gates. Deliver me. I've been on a place in my life where I'm like, Lord, I just want more. What is it? What do I have to do to go deeper? Lord, I'm so tired of just being a, you know, a half-stepping wife. I'm so tired of being the one that has to always have the last say-so. And then I go to sleep angry at my husband. I'm so tired of being so prideful, God, and not being able to come in agreement with my husband. God, deliver me. I cried out to God like that because I want to fulfill, I want to inherit everything. Everything. God, why am I so frustrated with my children? Lord, they're driving me crazy. I'm half-stepping. Lord, why aren't you providing the things that we need? Because I'm half-stepping in my prayer. And God is saying, if you want to enter into the promises of God, if you want to inherit the fullness and the abundance of your promises, you've got to stop hanging out with a half-stepper named Reuben. You've got to stop hanging out with Manisa, a mighty and powerful people one time. A long time ago. Long time ago type of people. I don't want to hang out with people that talk about 10 years ago I did this work for God. 10 years ago I went into the mission field and I did all this. I don't want to hear about 5 years ago I fasted 40 days and 40 nights. I want to be a people that talk about going forward and inheriting the promise and slaying the enemy and fighting for what God has promised us. Oh, come on, people. Some of you guys are like, let them fight. Eh. No, I want to fight. I want to do big things for God. There is a land. There is a church building. There is a city that needs to be won over. And it's through you and I. You could be Manisa, once mighty and powerful. Ever known somebody that wants to do great and powerful things? And now they're like, uh, 
I know somebody like that. Powerful. Taking the world for God. And they set out. And now they're miserable. And now they're living, ten, working 10 jobs. Just settling for the promise of God. Just settling for the okay lifestyle in Christ. God didn't call you via heart to just be a half-stepper, just to just be a one-time powerful individual. God called you to be powerful now. God called you to have new victories now. God called you to inherit a promise, not just for today, but for your children tomorrow. Do you understand me, people? That my children are growing up so fast, and I got to make sure that I'm pushing God in their life. I'm giving them scripture. I'm, you know, reminding them what their grandfather was delivered from. We're reminding them where their grandmother came from. We're reminding them how lost mommy and daddy were because there is a promise that they need to inherit. But I got to fight. How many of us want to fight? I want to fight for my inheritance. I don't want to be sitting outside the gate and see somebody else pass me by in their brand new car. Pass me by walking around saying I got a new house from, from the Lord and I'm going to use it for a discipleship home. I don't want to pass by see somebody answering their call and I'm just there half-stepping. Uh, no. No. My husband, he runs. For anybody that knows my husband, he is a runner. He is running for God, and I'm trying to keep up. And I'm trying to take my four kids with him, and I'm saying, Stella, don't leave me behind. Don't leave me now. Come on, kids, hurry up. Come on, Dad. You know, he's answering the call. Hurry up. Tie your shoe. Let's go. Just throw out the shoe anyways. Because I'm not running alone. I'm not letting him run alone. I'm not going to leave my kids back. Because there is a promise. There is a promise. Do you understand? There is a promise. Don't be satisfied just being outside of the gate. Don't be satisfied just being a uh, type of Christian. But be a man, a woman that was tired of walking in his shame. He was tired of being tormented by these demons. He was tired of living in a curse. Lost his family. Lost his house. Lost more than what we probably understand. But he said, oh Lord. Oh God. Do all what you need to do within me. And when the Lord delivered him, he said that he begged. He begged. Manisa wasn't begging God for the promise. God wasn't begging God to inherit the land. Reuben was just half-stepping, not even begging for nothing. But this demon-possessed man was begging. Oh, God, let me follow you. Oh, God, the things that you did for me, how can I not answer the call? How can I not do what you want me to do? How can I not follow you and do the miracles with you? Begged. Have you ever begged somebody for something? The humiliation that it takes to beg. Husbands, wives, you ever begged for something? Singles? Husbands, you've begged for something. And sometimes you didn't get it. 
And I was humiliating. He begged. Can you imagine begging for something? Beg, he begged. And when I thought, I said, God, this man was so lost. He was broken mentally. The people were like, that's the crazy guy. Don't go around him. He'll, you know, he's violent. He had a reputation around town, around the city, around the region. But he begged God. Oh, God, let me follow you. How many of us are begging God? How many, I want to beg God. I want to be a beggar of God. Oh, God, take me deeper. Oh, God, use my life. Oh, God, use me however you want. This man was tired of the half-steppers in his life. He was tired of living under the curse of just, uh. But when he saw his Savior, oh, God, take me with you. And so what happened here? After he begged the Lord, he said, no, go and return to your own house. Go, brother so-and-so, return to Hayward. Go, sister so-and-so, go back to Union City. Go back to San Leandro. Go back to the city of Oakland. Go back to wherever you came from and tell them what God has done for you. Go, I tell you, go and preach my gospel. And so here when this man of God, when this demon-possessed man became delivered, he became a man of God. And the Lord restored back to him a house and to his family. The Bible says that he didn't live in the house. He lived amongst the tomb. But now Jesus says, go back to your own house. A statement of restoration. A statement that he was going to bless him because of his obedience unto God. A statement that says, what the enemy has taken from you, I will restore it to you. How many of us want to be a people that live in the blessing? That live like the nine and a half tribes that inherited the promise? The Bible says that the land was flowing with milk and honey. It flowed freely as water. It was such an overflow, such a gush out of prosperity and blessing. The milk meant to be the fat, the riches, the choice part, the finest, the best. Ever see somebody with the best? And you're like, man, I wish I had that. Not because you're coveting, because you see the blessing. I've seen people with the blessings of God. I'm like, man, I want that. The, the, I'm going to be honest. The only thing that I've coveted was the anointing. Because when I see people, I know, oh, God, I want that. Oh, God, I want to be under your unction like that. Oh, God, I want to be in your presence like that. But here God said, I will give you a land flowing with milk and honey. And here, God not only gave them the promise, but he gave you and I that promise. That we could inherit the promise. That we could be in a land flowing with milk and honey. But now, because we're at the gate, we got to forget some things that are behind us. 
We got to let go of those things, those people that whisper in your ear. You sure you want to finish the home? You sure that's the place you're supposed to be? You sure your home director likes you? You sure this is God's will for your life? You sure God's going to pay the bills? You sure God told you to answer full-time ministry? You sure God understands what you're doing right now? Are you sure your pastors understand who you are? Are you sure that's what God told you? That's the voice of the enemy. But God says if we want to enter into this promise, we got to let go of the past. We got to let go of some things that are holding us back. You got to let go of that, you know, that lustful thing, whatever's trying to torment you. You got to let go of the, you know, the bitterness and the offense. You got to let go of the, you know, the doubt and the, and the words of negativity coming into your mind. You got to cut the fat out. Because there is a promise here that God wants to give us. There is a church building that I know God is going to give us. This church is going to be packed out. The people of of Hayward, California, they're going to be in this church worshiping God with us. There is a promise to inherit. You want to see your sons and your daughters saved? You got to enter into the promise with us. You got to get away from Manisa. You got to get away from Reuben who was, you know, used to be excelling but no longer. Get away from those type of people. Get away from those who like to gossip and tear down the body of Christ. Get away from the people that want to bring doubt to your faith. Get away from the voices that try to bring division. Get away. Get away and come come into the promise with the people of God. When the nine and a half tribes, when the nine and a half tribes of Israel went to the west side of the Jordan, they entered into the into excuse me into their promise, but they had to fight for it. The enemy was there, but they had to fight for it, and it had become theirs because God had said, "It is yours." How many of us know that what comes easy won't last? But what lasts won't come easy. And so here, what was easy for the Eastsiders, it didn't last. But what happened on the west side of the Jordan? Oh, man. There is a voice, a loud song, a sound of praise, of worship, of thanksgiving. Because there was a people that had took that step of faith. There was a people that trusted God for the promises. There was a people that said, I'm going to take all of it, Lord, because you promised me. I've been fighting for this for years, but I'm going to get the victory. I'm going to see my husband saved. I'm going to receive the blessings over my children. I'm going to believe God for the calling over my life. You guys ain't clapping tonight. Some of you guys are, But I promise you that what comes easy to you or to me, it won't last. If you think that's a get quick, rich, great idea, it's not going to last. What takes hard work, what takes fighting, a lot of time, trusting God, those are the things that's going to last. Those are the things that God's going to bless. And a lot of the times, you know, when you hear about this demon-possessed man, we could say, well, that's not me. You know, I'm good. I'm delivered. I'm set free. But sometimes the choices and a lot of the choices 
that we make today, it's for your children tomorrow. The impact will take later. And so it's important that as we prepare ourselves in the season to go into this promised land, to go into our inheritance, because I don't, I, I don't believe that, um, you know, we're wandering 40 years. I don't believe that. I think our church, Hayward in itself, has done the 40 years, spiritually speaking. And I believe that we are the children that are ready to cross over the Jordan. You know why? Because when you think about the inheritance here, when I look at my husband, I look at him. Who do you think he is to us? What was that, Pastor Greg? He's our Joshua. He's our Joshua. And he's got his Caleb's over here. Mighty men of God. They may be a little old, but oh, they're powerful. You might think they're old, but oh, they're seasoned. They're ready. He's our Joshua. And Joshua is ready to cross the Jordan. Joshua is ready, heart of the bay, to cross the Jordan. Joshua is ready to inherit his promise. But are you ready, 12 tribes of Hayward, California? Are you ready to enter into the promised land with our leader, Joshua? Are you ready to believe God for what has been yours 40 years ago? Are you ready to step into enemy's territory, cut his head off, and say, this is mine? Oh, come on, somebody. I'm ready. This is my promised land. Hayward, California, Union City, San Leandro, Oakland, California. These are my promised lands. Who wants to inherit this with us? It's time. If you're going to cross the Jordan River, you better fight for your marriage. If you're going to fight for this promised land, you better fight for your kids. If you're going to fight for your children, you better get on your knees and start praying. If you're going to fight for your city, you better get that sword and polish it up and sharpen it up. If you're going to fight for your future, you better start praying. You better start fighting because where the promised land is, there is enemies but I promise you this that when you enter God said yeah 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 you got the enemy but it's yours it's yours and so I promise as you fight as you fight as you fight as you fight as you pray as you fast as you evangelize, as you step out in boldness, as you trust God for the promises, as you believe God for his salvation, as you trust God, as you trust God, as you trust God, God is going to be there to deliver you. God is going to be there to bless you. God is going to be there to pour his blessings over you. God is going to pour the overflow, the abundance over your life. But don't.